0: Nice wall. Man. <laughs> can't get over the wall. Amen. We serve a good God. Amen. Amen. We serve a wonderful working God. Amen. I I I can't help myself with cowboy jokes. My wife's a cowboy fan, so <clears throat> but this ain't a joke. This is real life. Amen. Cowboys are, are alright. Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3. You know, I'm a firm believer that if <coughs> if people would have the same kind of faith in God that they have in the Cowboys. Amen. We would get somewhere. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Amen. The title of my sermon tonight is called The Second Wilderness. Amen. I am part of the worst title giver in the world. Amen. But that's the title of my sermon tonight. Amen. There is a a man by the name of A.W. Tozer, and he always said, Refuse to be average. And uh, I've always kind of kept this, uh, this in my heart, refuse to be average. And as I was uh, studying the, the Word of God and I began to put my thoughts together on what God was speaking to me, He spoke something very, uh, very uh, life-changing to me. And what He spoke to me is, is that in the presence of God, victory is always assured. So what that means is no matter what you're going through in life, amen, if, no matter what trial hits you in the face, if you can't make it through, amen, get in the presence of God and you will see victory. If you read the Word of God from the book uh, of, of the ministry of Jesus when it started, everywhere he was, there was victory. And I find many times that when people don't have victory, amen, many times it's because of their own decisions. I was addicted to drugs, alcohol, I was suicidal for many years, amen, amen. And God changed my life because of one decision. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you make one decision right tonight, God could change your life. Out of the book of Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read 3 through 7. The children of Israel are held captive by the enemy. And God is looking down from heaven. This is what it says. And the Lord said, everybody says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, And I have also seen the oppression in which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I want to talk about the second wilderness tonight. What we are seeing in this text is the children of Israel, God's chosen people, are held captive by the enemy. They are living in a place, amen, where the enemy oppresses them, and it's captured God's attention. It says that the Lord said, meaning that God saw, and he's talking to Moses. He said, listen, I see my people who are oppressed. I hear their cry when they are crying out to me, and the Bible says that God wants to do something about it. The Bible says that God has a plan for his people, and he says that I'm looking down and I see my people oppressed. Now, I don't know about you, but I thank God that he saw me and heard my cry in my most desperate moment. I thank God when I was lost and looking for a hope that God heard my cry and sent my Holy Ghost-filled mother to pray for me and call me and invite me to church. Because if it weren't for her and her prayers, amen, I wouldn't be standing here. I'm a result of a praying mother. Because why? Because God saw my sorrows when I was lost. The Bible says that God sees and hears everything you're going through. I don't care if you've been in the ministry 20 years or you've been saved one day or you're sitting in this place. You're not saved. God sees and knows what you're going through. And he takes it to a personal level because one of the things that kills me about football And maybe I'm just over-spiritualizing this or whatever. But you see, uh, football players, when they score a touchdown, they get down on one knee and they stick their finger in the air. Like God is so far that he cannot be reached. I mean, follow me. God is present right now. And listen, if he is such a present God, amen, I believe that many times people have this idea that God is so far that they cannot reach him. But we're going to thank the man above. But listen, the Bible says that that is not who God is. God says he is a very present God. He says, I see and I hear and I am coming down to deliver my people. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what trials you are facing. God has come down to deliver you out of what you're going through tonight. And what we see here is that God has a plan. He says, listen, I'm going to do something about my people who are held captive. He says, I'm going to take them out of the hands of the Egyptians, and I'm going to give them a land, the promised land of their enemies, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, and the Jebusites. I'm going to give you their land. You know what that means to you and I? That means the abundance of our enemies, God wants to give it to you tonight. Listen, I, I, I know that churches water down the prosperity thing. But listen, God is into prospering his churches. He is in to blessing his people. He is in to giving you the land of your enemies. Listen, right now, I believe is one of the most uh, uh, remarkable times we're living in is because all these jobs and all these people that don't want to work, there are thousands of job openings. Why are God's people not prospering and stepping into them? I'll just let that sink in for a minute. Look, they're begging people. I just saw $15 an hour at McDonald's. That is ridiculous. I'm looking at that. I'm like, my gosh, maybe that's, a, that's not a lot up here. But in Texas, that's a lot of money. And we see that. Right now, we're living in a time where God wants to deliver his people. He sees everything that's going on. I'm here to tell you, I thank God that he doesn't overlook inflation. I thank God that my life is in his hands. But listen, tonight, there are areas in our life that we are facing, that we cry out when no one knows, that there are things that we go through. We are oppressed by the enemy. Amen. The enemy strategizes against God's people. I'm here to tell you, the enemy... The devil is not out there trying to, trying to beat up the sinners. He already has them. His job is to take down the church, which is you and I tonight. And the Bible says God takes it personal. And so God came down from heaven and he took it personal. Now listen what it says. He says, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, which is the enemy. God has come down to deliver you out of the hands of your enemy. Amen. The enemy could be depression. The enemy could be sickness and disease. The enemy, amen, could be anything that opposes what God has promised you and I. It could be, amen, a job that keeps you out of church. Hello. It could be, amen, your finances that keep you from giving what you really want to give. It could be, amen, lack of vision for your life. Amen. It could be, amen, resenting yourself for all your wrongdoings. Listen, the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you captive. But God says he came down to deliver you. Now, I want you to understand something here. That because God took this so personal... That the Bible says he came down from heaven, he spoke to Moses, and he said, I'm going to deliver my people. Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say, because this is very important to my sermon. The Bible says God came down to deliver them. So what does that mean? That means that this is all God's plan that is taking place, deliverance. And it says he's going to take them out of Egypt, and he's going to take them to the land of the enemies. So there's a process that is going on here. It's God's plan, God's idea. And the Bible says that God delivers the children of Israel and he leads them into the wilderness. I want you to think about what's going on here. God is, t- how many enjoy the wilderness? <clears throat> Not one of us. How many enjoy when your team is in a wilderness? Not one of us. How many enjoy when your finances are in the wilderness? Not one of us. Your energy levels. Like, man, how many know that sometimes that energy is rough? Hey, man, but this is God's plan. It is God's plan to lead his people to the wilderness. But listen, I want you to, I put a, together a very small list. For the sake of time, I'm going to go through it very quickly. But this is what happened when God led them into the wilderness. From the time they left Egypt to the time that they came to the edge of the promised land, this is what took place. An angel of God in a pillar of a cloud of fire guarded the multitude. A strong wind made a path for the Israelites through the sea. God helped, uh, uh, that helped them walk in peace through obstacles. Egyptian uh, chariot wheels were made to swerve, and they were drowned in the sea. Bitter waters were made sweet and drinkable. Manna rains from heaven. Quail is sent to provide meat. Water comes from a rock. Moses' hands are raised, and the Israelites prevail over their enemy, Amalek. God speaks from Mount Sinai. A wind brings more quail. Listen, what's going on here is in God's will and in God's plan, God will take care of his people commentators believe that the time that they left Egypt to the time they came to the edge of the promised land was between 11 and 14 days two weeks that's what they believe when we read this story and all that God did many times the wilderness when we read this story could seem like a long time Amen. We, you, you could be going through a bad day, and that day seems so hard. Amen. I mean, you cannot just wait to put your feet up and eat a piece of pizza and drink some Texas water. You don't know what Texas water is? That's Dr. Pepper. Amen. amen. Sometimes even days, amen, even two or three days can seem long. And you're, you're beating your head against the wall, and you're crying out. And some of us, amen, even go to the point where we even cut off God. We make decisions emotionally. Well, you know what? Uh, We're not going to make our bills uh, this week, uh, this month, so you know what? Let's just cut off the tithe. God is always the first one that everyone cuts off. But I want you to understand what's happening here. Listen, the children of Israel even did this. They made a golden calf before God. In a two week period, look at their emotions. Oh, God, help us. Yeah, we're delivered. Let's make a golden calf, let's kill Moses like talk about a roller coaster listen that sounds like us sometimes life could be a roller coaster amen but look what takes place in 2 weeks god does so many miracles i don't know about you but if i saw a pillar of a cloud of fire following me i would feel unstoppable if i saw manna coming down from heaven good lord i'd be tearing it up amen you Listen, I got COVID-30. I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but listen, that's 30 pounds of COVID packed on me. Can you imagine going through the wilderness, Wilderness 30? But look what's happening when it's God's plan. God provides, he protects, he guides, he leads. He gives them victory over their enemies. This is God's plan. And the Bible says it was God's plan to lead them into The wilderness. Many times, amen, the wilderness is not a place we enjoy. Many times the wilderness, amen, could feel sometimes very lonely. But I'm here to tell you, it's in the wilderness when it's God's plan that we could see victory. And there is a promise for you and I. And that promise is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a land of healing and blessing. It is a land of plentiful This is God's plan and this is his plan all along for your life. Matter of fact, the Bible says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. He says, I want you to have life and life more abundant. I want to heal you. I want to increase your life. But you see, this is the part where it gets really personal for you and I. They are at the edge of the promised land. They are looking, amen, at fruit. A grape so big you can stick your head inside of it. Watermelon you can lay in and take a bath. Enchiladas for days. Listen, this land is good. Let me tell you, this land is good. And it says that they sent out the spies, and the spies say, hey, man, it's everything God said it was, but there are enemies. And we look like grasshoppers in their sight. How many have ever been through something in life and it looks so impossible? To, you're like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to get through this? Last December, I went through a surgery in my life. Listen, I've never been through a surgery. I was sharing with your pastor. Amen. I, I, I used to be really fit back in the day. That was 10 years ago. I'm still in shape, rounds of shape. I got a balanced life. My bubble's in the middle. Amen. But I had had went through a time where my stomach muscles ripped straight down the middle. We thought it was a hernia. I had a ball like that. It was my stomach coming out of my muscles. And I was freaking out. My brother, I'll never forget. It was October the 1st when I went to the doctor because my brother left to Cambodia to pioneer. And that morning I saw my brother off and I went straight to the emergency room. They had to do surgery on me. I had to wait a couple months, and I couldn't preach. And so I have no income, I'm a full-time minister, and I'm there, and I just remember looking at my wife thinking, I don't know what I'm gonna do. How are we gonna make it? How are, how are we gonna make ends meet? I said, not only that, how, how are we gonna pay this bill? And so we're there, and she says, well, you can't, you can't not do it, because if you go to work, you can't work because of what's going on. I said, I know. And so I went and got the surgery. And they said it was going to be four months recovery. I'm thinking, oh, man, we're done for. But I had to. I went and got the surgery. I got my first hospital bill, $38,000. I have no insurance. I have no retirement. I have no savings plan, no nothing. And I just remember crying out to God. I said, God, you called me to this ministry. I am in your will, and I'm confident that I'm in your will. I am confident in your provision. I am confident, God, that you are the God that saves and could cause anything to happen out of nothing. The Bible says that he hung the world on nothing. That means that he doesn't need anything to make something happen. And I got a a bill that came in. The bills are starting to pile up. And I'm looking at my wife, and I just looked at her and said, I love you. She said, I know you do, but you're stressed. I said, yep, I'm laying in bed. I can't even lift five pounds because if I do, I had four layers of stitches and it would all pop and I'd have to go through it again. And so I'm laying there and I'm just looking at everything. I'm seeing my wife carrying groceries. We live in an apartment on the third story, bringing up groceries and I'm thinking, I can't do this. And so we're praying. I said, you know, I'm going to go on a fast. She goes, you're going to go on a fast with medication? I said, that's right. Maybe with the medication, help with the vision. <laughs> I'm praying, and I'm asking God. I said, God, we need a miracle. Two weeks after we received the first bill, I got a paper in the mail from the hospital. The hospital I went to is called BSA. And I got a, a letter, and it says, You have been selected. We want to congratulate you. All your debt has been paid. Thank you for choosing BSA. When I received this, let me tell you, my jaw dropped. I am in tears. I have the paper. Matter of fact, it is in my hotel room, I believe. I brought it with me unless my daughters took it out of my backpack. But nevertheless, God did a miracle on my behalf because, listen, I was in his will. God did miracles, and here they are. They're looking at the promised land. But instead of looking at the promise and everything God did before, They're looking at the enemy. Many times our enemy could blind us to God's promise. And instead of stepping into their promise, they believe the report of the enemy. And the Bible says that they wandered for 40 years. Now listen, this is the title of my sermon. The first wilderness was God's plan for their life. Provision, protection, guidance, direction, A land of promise. Refreshing waters from a rock. Leadership. But the second wilderness is a wilderness of your decisions. The second wilderness is where you make decisions and say, God, I see your promise, but this is what I believe. I know what you're saying to me. But the enemy, God, And we step into the second wilderness. This is the wilderness of our decisions. And if you read the word of God about the second wilderness or the 40 years that they wandered, God never did another miracle for the children of Israel. For 40 years, they never saw the hand of God again. You know, what's scary about this is that some of us are wandering in that wilderness right now. Our life looks hopeless. We cry out to God, Lord, where are you, but... There are no miracles. It's because some of us have made a decision to not trust in our God. You see, the second wilderness is a very familiar place to us all. I'll never forget, I grew up in church. All my family's in the ministry. I'm the youngest. I'm the only one that went into drugs, alcohol. I'm the only one that was crazy. And I saw the difference between... A life surrendered to God and a life based on his own decisions. And <clears throat> let me tell you, when I wandered in the, my wilderness of my decisions, I only ended up suicidal, hurt, lost, and addicted. But when I came to God once again, I experienced his deliverance. Because many times, amen, the reason why we're troubled in seeking and making little forward pro- progress in life is because we haven't come to the end of ourselves yet. We think that we got it all under control. We think that, oh God, I hear what you're saying. I know that if I pay my tithe, it says you will bless me, but there is an enemy of bills right in front of me. God, I know what you're saying, Lord, uh, but, but you know what? Uh, I can't make church because, you know, I got a headache. God, I know what you're saying. Oh, you know, I know you could heal my marriage, but I think me and my wife just need a break from your house. You see, this is a very familiar place to us all because we've made decisions and now we have to live with them. I wandered for eight years in my life and in eight years I wrecked myself. Some of us have wandered and our decisions for a long time. Some of us, amen, have been in the promise of God, but we made a decision somewhere along the way that has led us astray, and now we find ourselves searching for God, and we're saying, God, where are you, where are you? And God is simply waiting for you to respond because what's interesting is as soon as the children of Israel repented after 40 years, God gave them their promise. It doesn't say that he gave them the promise and he took away the enemies. The enemies were still inhabiting the land. The enemies still possessed their promise. But listen, I look at this and I say, man, I don't know. Being away from God, how could I trust God at the same capacity as if I just saw miracles? Because listen to what our text says. Or I'm sorry, listen what it says that when uh, Moses was raising his hands in Exodus chapter 17, 9 through 13, Moses raised his hands and allowed him to prevail over Amalek. There was a war going on and God allowed the children of Israel to win a war. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had a pillar of a cloud of fire, if I just won a war and I saw the enemies and I saw all that God was doing, it would give me more confidence to pursue my promise than me wandering 40 years and then trying to think, man, did that really happen? Hey, bro, do you remember that victory? Was, did God, do you remember? And now you come back to the place of your enemies and you're looking at them and you're like, whoa. These guys have matured a little bit. You see, but God's promise is always still valid. The question is, how long will you wonder? Because regardless of the size of the enemy, God's promises are still valid for you and I tonight. But you see, the second wilderness is a place that will always keep you wondering what would have happened. The second wilderness is always a place that is designed to wear you down. Because if we look at this, they relied on themselves and no one else. Self-reliance, if you if you sow self-reliance, you'll reap exhaustion. And listen, the children of Israel were exhausted, wandering for 40 years. Listen, what happened when they came back to Jesus? It says, when they cried out, Joshua tells them, Sanctify yourselves, for the Lord will do many mighty things. And they marched right into the very promise that God gave them. Listen, You could be wondering right now and waiting for your promise, but God is saying, I've called you and you've still wondered because of a decision that you've made. You know, I remember when I first came to Jesus. Man, I'll never forget that day of deliverance. I was so addicted and so messed up. I'm looking at my life, I have nothing. I was making a six-figure income. At the age of 19, I was making six figures a hundred and sixty-five thousand a year and it all it did was supply money for my addiction and when I got saved and I gave Christ my life I said God I'll give you anything I quit my six-figure job matter of fact I was in conference in Gallup when I quit that job I got offered another six-figure income job working at Los Alamos National Labs in New Mexico And God said, nope, don't take it. I would have had to move to a place where there was no fellowship church. So I I turned it down. I moved to Amarillo, Texas. And I was serving God there. And I went from making a six-figure income to making $8.12 an hour, pushing patients around the hospital. I lived in my truck. and Graciously, my uncle, who is now my pastor, he opened up his house and gave me a place to live. And I'll never forget, I finally got married, my wife, have three kids now, and the pastor said, hey, we want to send you out. I said, all right, you know, that was a year before, it was 2016, I said, okay, yeah, whatever. I got offered a six-figure income job, so I took it. I worked a six-figure income job for three months, and I got called to go pioneer in Lawton, Oklahoma. I left a six-figure income job to go pioneer in Lawton, Oklahoma. I'm there, two years. We have a solid core of people, 35 people coming to church. I got gang members. I got uh, uh, the military bases there. I have NCOs in my church, people that work for Patriot. My church is flourishing, and I'm remodeling my sanctuary. And I feel God speak to me. I want you to be evangelists. I didn't think nothing of it. I said, I've only been here two years. I want, to see, I want to send out a man. Conference was two weeks away. I said, God, if it's you, well, then my pastor has to come talk to me because I don't know what other way it's you. I go to conference. It's Monday. I receive a phone call. I applied for a job on Fort Sill for a six-figure income. I said, yes, Lord. My church is in revival. just... I I just booked two revivals with some evangelists. I got outreach teams coming. I got 10,000 flyers in my service. I am ready for outreach. I said, yes, Lord. Now I got a job working Monday through Thursday, making a six-figure income, eight to seven. One day a week, and the other days of the week, was eight to two. I said, yes, Lord, I'll take it. Tuesday came around, I got a tap on my shoulder. My pastor comes up to me. He says, Adrian, what do you think about evangelism? Like, oh. I said, Pastor, I already know the I already know the answer. I stepped into evangelism and I'm thinking, my goodness, I just gave up another. This is my fourth six figure income I've gave up to serve God. I have no education. I have a sixth grade education. And I'm looking at all this. I said, God, you're so good, but why, why are you taking me from a six figure income? I step into evangelism in 2019. I preach a few times out, but I, I just go full bore. I said, God, if you call me this, you'll supply it. 2020 comes around. I have a full calendar booked up, which is a miracle for a new evangelist. If you know anything about evangelism, that's a miracle. And I'm looking at this, and I said, yes, I preached two revivals, COVID hit, and I lost every last one of them. And I'm looking at the enemy right in front of me saying, You're not gonna make it. You won't be able to pay your bills. Nothing will happen. I'm looking, I'm saying, God, you called me to this, and now I'm facing COVID. I can't get a job because everywhere's laying off and not hiring. I had a tree trimming business. Nobody is buying tree trimming. I'm looking for things to sell and nobody's buying. I said, God, I could either leave you and be stuck and enter my wilderness of my decisions, oh, Lord, I could trust the process. I got out of $30,000 worth of debt. I got blessed. All my bills were always made on time. And God is still meeting my needs today. Listen, it's because, listen, when we make decisions on our own choices, it'll lead us down a path that God never intended. But listen, God's intention is for you to step into the promised land. Don't let the second wilderness become your identity. Don't let your problems. He didn't call you to cope with your problems. He called to deliver you into your promise. Don't cope with them any longer. Say, you know what, God, I'm tired of wondering. Lord, I want to step into my promises of freedom. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. But will you wonder for another 40 years in your decision where you say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust in what your word says, and I'm going to step into the promises that you have. I don't care how big the enemy is. I don't care what's I'm looking down. God, I trust, God, that you're a deliverer. And if we look in our text, it was God's plan. And when you're in God's plan and God's will, there is always victory. In the presence of God, victory is assured. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight.